Hello, and welcome to the Half-Blind Hecklers, episode 81. So, today we have less stores, stories, but more vital stories, more intriguing stories, more changing stories. So, and they cover things, everything from race to election issues, to big tech censorship. So jumping right in to the first story. The first story is teen girls charged with carjacking and murder and murder in death of Uber Eats driver in Washington, D.C. <clears throat> so two teenage girls charged in the death of an Uber Eats driver are due back in court Wednesday, which is tomorrow. The girls aged 13 and 15 have been charged with felony murder and armed carjacking following the death of 66-year-old Mohammed Anwar. So he died last week after the teens tased him while attempting to carjack him near the Navy Yard metro station. The incident caused caused a rollover crash that killed Anwar. You can the the footage is fairly easy to find. Uh, if you have the stomach for it, I encourage you to watch it. It is fairly sensitive because, of course, a man does die during the course of that video. <clears throat> So, in the video, one of the girls is heard screaming, he has my phone, as the driver yells, they're trying to take my car. So, one girl admitted to going to the Navy Yard station with the intent to steal a car, and she blamed the other girl for jamming the car in gear, swinging the steering wheel, and crushing Anwar to death. So, they didn't provide any details about their names, because they're juveniles. So, but, the interesting part is, is that this, is, this this death, this killing, is demonstrative of an interesting opposition, kind of a, a contradiction in terms. Let's let's analyze the situation. What if those girls, those thirteen and fifteen-year-olds, were white, and the race of the victim was unchanged? Well, then you'd be seeing protests. You'd be seeing Black Lives Matter get reinvigorated. You'd be riots burning down buildings, the whole nine yards, because this would obviously be linked to racism, white supremacy. At least that's where the media would try and take it. The problem is that the races, at least the problem for the mainstream media, is that the races are not the way they want. If this was two white guys, it would be all over the news. Because there are two black girls, then it's, well, they didn't really mean to do it. It was an accident. Like, they they were just trying to have some fun. It's like, well, if they were just trying to have some fun, then when the guy died, then they would have been shocked and appalled and scared. And they would have stayed and they would have cared for the man that they just killed. But guess what? They didn't. They didn't care about the man that they just killed. They had hoped that they could get away scot-free by walking away and that people would let them. They had to run back to the car, not because a man was injured and bleeding out and dying on the street and dying on the ground. They went back to his car because her car was, her phone was left in the car. And that was... Her biggest crisis of the day. Not that she had just killed someone. But that she could potentially lose her phone. That's the kind of moral crisis. 
that our children are bringing up, being brought up in today. They care more about themselves. They care more about their possessions than they do about human lives. It's part of why abortion is so prevalent. It's because, well, I can't be bothered to raise a kid. I can't be bothered to make the slightest sacrifice. I can't be bothered to give a single damn about another human life because it matters so little to me that I would rather pick up my phone than try and save a dying man. There was another, of course, incident in New York where there were two men and they beat an Asian woman. Yeah, they beat an Asian woman in front of a place that had security guards and the security guards let it happen. No. And then they walked away and she was left bleeding on the pavement. Our society has become so self-obsessed, so self-absorbed in our own problems, our own minute concerns, that when other people are encountering serious problems, we don't care. When other people are having massive issues, having life-changing, life-threatening problems, we just walk away. We just move on. Because that's what our society has become. We have encouraged our populace, we have encouraged our general population to be callous towards human life. Be callous towards other people. Oh, sure, when it's when it's involving us, if it's something that could even like the 0.1% chance of potentially harming us, then we'll scream, we'll gnash our teeth, we'll throw rocks through windows, yada, yada, yada. But if we have to make the slightest sacrifice for another person, then we won't do it. A bit back to the media and how the media is taking this. So the media will try and make it so that this story disappears before the end of the week. Whereas right now, of course, George Floyd's case is in trial. And basically, the, the mob has essentially stated, you'll give us the result we want, or we will riot and we'll burn everything down again. And of course, like everybody's trying to rush to claim racism in that case, but there's no evidence of racism. And it's headline news around the world because of the race of the victim and the race of the supposed perpetrator. Because it's all about the mainstream narrative. If they can try and push a narrative of white supremacy, of Nazism, of all these things, then they will. Whereas if it doesn't fit their narrative, they'll try and make it go away. And that, that's truly nasty. It's truly, truly deplorable. You shouldn't want stories like this to go away. <clears throat> you should want incidents like this to become basically none. You don't want incidents like this to happen. You want to create an environment where these are not the norm. Carjackings, homicides, assaults, all on the rise in the past year. Especially in Washington, D.C. and other major metropolitan areas in the United States and Canada. These things are skyrocketing upwards. And it's not due to, to racial issues. It's not due to white supremacy. It's not due to any of these things. It's due to the fact that people are stuck in their houses... And that the police have been defunded in a lot of these areas. 
you defund the police, you will cause excess deaths because it's only going to hurt those that are impoverished and those that can't afford to defend themselves. Those that can't afford to move out of these high-density, low-income neighborhoods. It's going to put their lives in danger. And of course, we all know that back in the original days of the Black Lives Matter movement, they were trying to destroy the nuclear family. You want to create more incidents like this? Push single motherhood. You want less incidences? Bring back the nuclear family. The nuclear family will less lessen these cases. It will lower the numbers of homicides, assaults, drug abuses. Because that's what two parents do. I, I admire one-parent households. They work very hard. But two-parent households have a high, far higher rate of success. And we can't ignore the single parenthood rate, especially in minority communities. We have to stop encouraging stuff like this, and we have to start promoting the whole family unit. Instead of just, oh, you get tax credits if you don't stick together. This is not acceptable anymore. Push for a better situation. Because I never want to hear a situation like this again. These girls should be severely punished for what they did. But their parents, who were equally negligent, should be punished just as much. Because their parents taught them a terrible way of looking at the world. And that's what led to this. callous, senseless disregard for human life. And we, as a society, should want none of it. Moving on to the next story. <clears throat> so Georgia voting law. Civil rights groups file third federal challenge. Several civil rights groups announced on Tuesday they have filed a joint federal lawsuit over the Georgia election overhaul bill. The third federal lawsuit challenging the legislation since it was signed into law last week. The ACLU, ACLU of Georgia, NAACP, Education and Education Funds, SPLC, and several law firms brought the case on behalf of the six districts of the African Methodist Episcopal Church, Georgia Muslim Voter Project, Women Watch Africa, Latino Community Fund, Georgia, and Delta Sigma Theta Sorority. Mm. So lawsuit alleges that the new law makes it harder for Georgians to vote, particularly voters of color, new citizens of religious communities. Yeah, right. Suit also challenges several provisions in the new law, including the ban on mobile voting, New ID requirements for requesting an absentee ballot and the ban on line warming, which would make it a crime for volunteers to provide food and water to the voters waiting in line. Yeah. That doesn't make it harder to vote. Like let's let's look at let's look at what this, this bill actually entails. So legislation includes new restrictions on voting by mail and increases legislative control over elections in the state. <clears throat> According to this article. Georgia, a traditionally red state, narrowly voted for President Biden and two Democratic U.S. senators amid recobating turnout in the last election cycle. I dispute that, but yes. The new law limits the window in which absentee ballots can be requested and cuts the number of locations and times ballot drop boxes can be accessed. Also gives the Republican-led Senate and House more control over election administration, including the option to appoint the chair of the election board and remove and replace county election officials. New law will also cut the time frame for runoff elections and ban groups from handing out food and water to voters. 
He was delivering remarks after signing the bill when he was interrupted by 10 protesters, including two lawmakers outside of his Atlanta office. Kemp, a Republican, asked an aide, what's the problem before a live stream of the ceremony went dark? So, and of course, a senator, a state Republican, a state representative was arrested after knocking on Kemp's door during his speech. The measure was filled with voter suppression tactics. Yes. No. Requiring ID to vote is totally voter suppression. No. Making it harder to mail to submit mail-in ballots, which are rife with fraud, and this is more than sufficiently proven. Like, this stuff should have been handled before the election. Any reasonable and rational person knows that Georgia had zillions of issues with how they counted their votes. Zillions. Especially in key, key areas like Atlanta. Fulton County, I've talked about this over and over and over again. We cannot have counting done without supervision. We cannot have millions and millions of people vote by mail and then assume that everything is above board. We, I think we just went over a week and a half ago how voters in Michigan, how the Secretary of State broke the law by allowing a different way of monitoring mail-in ballots. Like, this is not new stuff. This should have been handled before December 3rd. This should have been... This bill should have been proposed in March of last year. Then we likely would not have had so many problems with Georgia. And Georgia would have gone in a landslide for Trump. I get say that fairly confidently because I'm 100% certain that it would have gone for Trump because there's massive issues because we're they were not requiring voter ID it was all signature matching and signature matching you know that that can be faked people can submit addresses that don't exist that happened all all over the place in Nevada, and we'll go over that in a little bit. But we can't just accept the status quo that fraud is going to be a natural part of our elections. We can't accept bills like HR1, which are basically, oh yeah, 16-year-olds can be registered to vote and you don't need ID to vote, and universal mail-in ballots forever and always. Like electoral confidence is at an all-time low, and this is trying to repair that. And their excuse is, oh, it's voter suppression to require somebody to provide ID. Guess what? You need ID to drive. You need ID to go to the library. You need ID to go to school. To get a loan. You need all sorts of these things. But they keep calling it voter suppression. They keep calling it racism. Joe Biden called this law Jim Eagle as a callback to Jim Crow. The man is senile, but he's also quite insane. Requiring someone to prove that they are who they say they are when they are trying to vote, especially if that vote could change the outcome of an election, then heck yeah, you want it to be as secure as possible. 
They're saying that, oh, you can't cut out food and water lines. Oh, that's, that's discriminatory towards the impoverished. Well, no, if you're handing out food and water, and the food and water is handed out by somebody with a Biden hat or with somebody like vote so-and-so for Senate, then that's electioneering. These, these are very clearly established rules in the Constitution and, the, and any amendments. I don't know exactly where it's written. I don't have a marvelous knowledge and an integral <laughs> wisdom on where things are in the Constitution. But these things are illegal. They're illegal for a reason. And yeah, you shouldn't, like, HR one another bills. They're trying to just make it so that electioneering is super easy. You do not want electioneering. You don't want ballot harvesting. All of this is trying to remove and stop all this from happening. And the Democrats are like, but we want that. We want ballot harvesting. We want electioneering. Because it makes this easier for us to cheat. It makes us easier to have a one-party rule system because it gets us what we want. Don't fall for it. Fight back. I'm glad that this bill was passed and I hope that it survives these frivolous legal challenges. Because we need bills like this. Especially in the United States. Because nobody can look at you honestly and say that election was fair. And this is a way to stop that. So, here's hoping. Don't have a lot of confidence. Because the Democrats now have a lot of power and Joe Biden can just veto things and executive order them all. So, <laughs> probably won't last very long. But, trying to maintain some semblance of hope in a very, very dark time. Ugh. Speaking of dark and terrible things, so Oregon man pulls gun on Antifa mob who trashed cars to stop freedom rally. So, dramatic video, and of course it's another video where you can look it up yourself, it's very very popular. So, he, dramatic video shows the moment a man pulls a gun on Antifa protesters as they clash with demonstrators taking part in the freedom rally to the Oregon state capitol. The older man wearing an American flag was filmed in Salem, get, initially getting out of his pickup truck to survey the damage allegedly done by the Antifa mob. Well, it was done by the Antifa mob. You can see the... Like, you can see when his window got smashed. And you can see other things. So he initially appears fairly calm. And then he was surrounded as they laughed at him and mocked him, some threateningly aiming canisters at him. Fairly certain one actually, like, threw the canister, like, sprayed him with pepper spray. The squabble took an ugly turn after he was sprayed in the face or struck with an object, prompting him to flinch and draw his weapon on the crowd. Except he didn't really draw his weapon on the crowd. Like, if you watch the video, this is how he holds the gun. He screams, get away from me, yanking a hand ground from his waistband and cocking it as he aimed it. No, that's not right. He did not aim it toward the leftist activist. He pointed it down. He had it pointed downwards and he had his hand up like this. He wasn't threatening them at all. He was defending his own property, and in this picture, right here, you can see his window got smashed. He was actually going to inspect his window being smashed, and then he got sprayed. And then he says, get back, because of course he doesn't want his property wrecked. Who does want their property wrecked by a violent anarchist mob? 
And then, of course, as soon as he pulls it out, DeMob is screaming about his lower, loaded gun. An armed officer quickly approached and forced the driver to the ground with a large force of riot police quickly swarming the scene. That's pathetic. They shouldn't be swarming him because he's doing what he's legally entitled to do by the Second Amendment. They're not legally entitled to smash his window. They're not legally entitled to mace him. The cops should have arrested these douchebags, but they didn't. Because the far-left radical Antifa, no matter what they do, no matter what violence they commit, they will get away with it. And of course, as he's being forced to the ground, they're yelling at him about him being a proud boy. So, thankfully, he's had not been yet arrested and they were investigating. But, this is, he should never have been detained in the first place. The cops should have escorted him off the property and they should have been watching closer and took the guy who smashed his window and took the guy that sprayed him with mace and they should have arrested them. But they didn't because they're taking a backseat to these protesters. They're taking a back wing to these, a backseat to these terrorists. Police said that more than 100 left-wing protesters turned up to prevent the Freedom Rally caravan. The mob is accused of damaging vehicles. That's proven. They did. At the beginning of the video, they did cover his window in yellow spray paints and smashed his windows. Like, this is... They were clearly targeting vehicles. As soon as any amount of violence was committed, they should have shut down the whole thing. Because if you look at other incidents, like if you look at violence that happens per, per chance at an anti-lockdown rally that we've been attending, if there is any incident of violence, if it's done by a member of some other group, then there's no swarming, there's no, retaliate, there's no retaliation. It's pointing them out to the cops and the cops get them. Or hopefully get them. But in incidents like this, they don't, and I don't think there's been one incident yet of any like racist or violent actions done by protesters. If there, if there were, then he'd be called out and he'd be like thrown before the cops by the group. Because thankfully, our groups have a decent amount of self-respect. And they're like, yeah, if you break the rules, if you break the law, if you assault somebody, if you commit some act of violence then we're not going to support you. You're not worth supporting. Whereas these groups, it's like, oh, well, we fully expect our members to commit violence and we will accept and promote them and generate bail money for them to escape. Like the fact that these groups have been labeled, like the fact that Antifa and BLM have not been labeled terrorist groups by the Canadian American government is shameful. They are violent, predatory terrorists. And this is what happens when a man tries to defend himself against the mob. He gets attacked by the mob and then he gets attained by the police. This story, like some of the other ones, like the teen girl one, angers me to no end. We, do, we should not be wanting this. We should want our police to do their jobs. We should want them to stand up 
against this hate, this violence. Because that's what our taxes pay them to do. Or at least in the States, that's what their taxes, my taxes pay for cops in my city. And thankfully, my, the cops in my city have been mostly good. There have been a couple incidents where they did terrible things. But mostly they were good. But these incidences, like the cops have to know by now which are the good guys. Which are the ones just trying to promote violence and which are the ones just trying to get from here to there. The state of our society is getting bleaker. It's getting darker. That's why we have to rise up and stand. Stand back. Fight. Talking about fighting. So, this is just as of, I think, this morning. Steven Crowder's YouTube account was locked. Demonetized. Crowder hints action. We've got something for them. YouTube is demonetized and locked. Conservative commentator Steven Crowder's account for allegedly violating the platform's community guidelines. Yeah, don't we know that? They blocked Crowder from uploading new content to his channel for one week and pulled one of his videos from the platform, said violated its rules against spreading misinformation for the 2020 election. YouTube also booted Crowder from its YouTube partner program, which allows creators to run ads on videos and turn a profit indefinitely. In order to monetize YouTube, channels must comply with the YouTube partner program policies include our community guidelines, Google AdSense program policies, and advertiser-friendly guidelines. Channels that repeatedly violate our policies are suspended from the partner program. In addition, we removed a video from Stephen Crowder's channel for violating our presidential election integrity policy and applied a strike, meaning uploads are suspended for one week. Like, yeah, we saw this one coming. And it also, it also happened last week to a channel that we've been supportive of, Rebel News. Like last week, the guy who runs Rebel News, Ezra Levant, got a letter from YouTube. They're cutting off Rebel News. They're completely canceling our remaining ads on our channel, even from advertisers who specifically request our channel. They're banning our 1.45 million YouTube subscribers from voluntarily paying us through Super Chats, which is going to cost Rebel News $400,000 a year. Even though YouTube, even though Rebel was following their guidelines and putting up little warnings saying, like, this, this can have information about COVID that goes against the popular narrative. They went along with YouTube's ideals. They went along with YouTube's community guidelines initiatives. But YouTube still acts them. Because YouTube has basically said, right, they've basically admitted right now with the axing of these two fairly major, two fairly major setups in Steven Crowder and Rebel News, probably the two biggest conservative channels in both Canada and the United States, And they're basically saying, well, yep, like, we're going to do this. And you can't do anything about it because we control the system. Because there's no laws in place to protect you. And we don't care. That's, that's how much control these big tech oligarchs have. It's really terrible how much power they have. But... There's nothing we can do. Like here at the Half Blind Hecklers, like our channel has two strikes against it. 
for medical misinformation, which baffles me some of these times. Like, I had a video where I gave a whole bunch of logical reasons why a CBC article about Canadian suicides was false. And I went into a whole bunch of details about why it was false. And they're like, nope, this is medical misinformation. I'm like, I gave you the sources. How can you claim this is medical misinformation if I'm giving you every source that I have saying that what they're saying is untrue? But the problem is that YouTube doesn't want what they're saying to be untrue. YouTube wants to promote the lockdowns because, of course, they get more money with people stuck in front of their computers all day. YouTube wants to promote leftist ideology because the Democrats and other organizations give a ton of money to the Democrats, you, to, to YouTube and to other big, big tech silicon giants. They want a specific worldview, and now they're going out of their way to try and destroy any dissent. This is, of course, why Stephen Crowder, you, Rebel News, and us here at the Half Blind Hecklers, that's why we've been moving on. That's why we've been moving our content over. That's why we've been posting on BitChute. That's why we've been posting on, tried a little bit for Rumble, but now we're posting mostly on YouTube. Like, very, very little of our actual content goes on YouTube. And any time that I'm actually posting on YouTube, I'm posting, like, the same title and the same image for the clip, but then I'm just saying like, yeah, no, you can't watch this footage. You gotta go over to, other, to our other links because you can't find this video here. It won't be found because YouTube doesn't want you to see it. YouTube wants you to see a certain narrative and that's it. Why has general society accepted this? Why? Because those in the left, those that control the institutions of power, especially in the media and the news and social media, they've pointed any, all these right-wing groups, all these conservative organizations as racist, as transphobic, as homophobic, yada, yada, the whole shebang. And they'll get away with it because they have all the power. Because nobody's challenged their power. Because nobody said, mm, this is really sketchy how much like control you have over society. But they don't care how much power they have over control over society because they always want more. Like here at the Half Line Techers, we're not going to stop fighting against the lockdowns. We're not going to stop encouraging people not to take the vaccines. We're not going to stop speaking the truth because that's what we do here. We speak the truth as best we can see it. Yes, yeah, sometimes we get things wrong, and we admit it when we're wrong. Like, I, I've done several times where I've done it in the comments and the description. I made a video saying, yeah, I made a mistake. And if people notice when I make a mistake and they should give me evidence to follow it up, then yeah, I'll admit that I made a mistake. But these organizations, these institutions, these individuals, they make mistakes all the time, but they don't care because nobody has the power to call them out. Nobody has the power to stop them. Like, I wish there was another platform as big as YouTube. The only problem is that if we, if conservatives get a platform that's as big as YouTube, or like even a little bit close, then programs like Amazon, programs like Google will shut it down because they have control of the majority of servers. Big, set, big tech censorship 
and antitrust violations are rampant when it comes to conservatism. And yet, nobody can do anything about it. You can stand, you can say, yeah, like we're going to fight back against this, but what are you going to do against such reckless hate? It's being tossed against you, it's being thrown at you with abandon. I'd like to say that things are hopeful, that there'll be new platforms springing up all over the place, that YouTube will become a thing of the past. But the problem is that YouTube is just so popular and so powerful that things are likely going to stay exactly as they are. Like, I would love it if there was a change in leadership in YouTube. Said, yeah, like, we made a mistake, we're going to push for free speech. It's not going to happen, though. It's not going to happen, though, until there is significant legal change. Like, we know that in the United States, Section 230 is what's causing all this. We should always push to reform Section 230, because Section 230 is causing the death of plenty of YouTube channels, mainly conservatives. Because they'll censor, they'll censor stuff like Stephen Crowder going through house to house, saying this is an address that voted, it's an empty lot. This is an address that voted. Nobody here lives there. This was all verifiable fact. I wasn't misleading anything, anyone about the 2020 election. He didn't say that these votes changed the course of the election. He's just saying this is a verifiable fact that these ballots were cast illegally. And guess what? Google, YouTube, the state secretary doesn't care. As long as they're in control, they don't care. All they care is that somebody's challenging them and anybody that challenges them has to be silenced. We should always be pushing for diversity of ideas, for an open dialogue, an open discourse. Not this destruction, not this censorship. It will only lead to more extremism. Pushing them into the further fringes of ideology. Some people, if they get banned off YouTube, they might commit violence. I hope not. I hope and pray that nobody will commit violence because they've been taken off of YouTube. But some people might see that as their moneymaker, and if YouTube takes that away, then they might try and take vengeance on YouTube. Of course, I'm not endorsing any of that. I would never endorse violence. Unless, of course, it's in self-defense or against a wanton threat to society. But those are extraneous circumstances. We have to make sure that we're still fighting the culture war. The culture war is, is leaning hard left. And conservatives are losing. They're losing because conservatives were basically invisible for decades. And now we're saying, oh, things are getting real crappy. We've got to fight back now. And now we have no power to fight back with. So, bleak episode. Sometimes Tuesdays are like that. Society's getting dark, people. But, ugh. here at the Helpline Hecklers, we try and make things a little lighter. We try and think, make things a little more comedic. I try. 
It's so hard. <laughs> uh, all right. That's coming to the end of today's episode. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to end like that. <laughs> Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. If you have been a long-time listener of our channel, let us know in the comments. We want to hear from you. Like, if you've been listening from the beginning and haven't ever posted anything on our channel, let us know. I would love to engage with you people. You people, you know, are listeners. You know, just have a grace. Like, tell and share. <laughs> Things like that. Yep. But if you are following us on Facebook, Parlor, YouTube, you know the drill. Like, subscribe, comment, notification bell, review. And of course, if you were listening on any of our podcast platforms, please download our content and share with your friends. And of course, moving forward, we will be interviewing, especially for the local crowd here in Calgary and here in Alberta, we are going to be interviewing city council candidates, mainly those who are supporting and wanting the removal of the lockdown and the mass mandates. So... Those will be coming up in the future. We have one already lined up for a potential counselor in Ward 11. And I think we also have a potential counselor in Ward 7. So might also might be Ward 3. I'm not sure. But we're going to be trying to organize these coming up in the future so we can become more involved in local politics. Because local politics is mostly left-wing. So we want to be the, the voice of the rebels, the voice of the libertarians, the voice of the anti-lockdown crowd. So, that's what we're going to be doing. Should be fun. Looking forward to it. But, before we head off, always know, here at the Half Blind Hecklers, we may be blind, but we can still see the truth. Have a great night, everybody. I will see you all on Thursday with the one you can see.